Ever had one of those days? We began last week talking to you on the subject out of the book of Acts, the second chapter, if you want to turn there this morning, of what now? It's kind of in that scenario that we find this New Testament church. Uh, Jesus has died. He's rose again. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that as they're watching him, he ascends into the heavenlies and as they are there kind of gazing up into heaven, these angels show up and say, this same Jesus who you see caught away is going to come again in like manner. Now go and wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 2 said, on the day of Pentecost, while they were gathered together in that upper room, as suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house that they were sitting in. They were appearing to them diverse kinds, uh, excuse me, uh, cloven tongues of the fire, and they begin to speak with tongues, diverse tongues, and magnify God. And as they are doing that, the scripture lets us know that there is the feast that is taking place in Jerusalem, and there are people from literally all over the then known world who the Bible says begin to gather from every place, and they are, they are looking and saying, what in the world is going on? And the Bible says that the apostle Peter, standing up with the eleven, begins to declare who Jesus is. He begins to talk to them about this Jesus whom you crucified. And you've got to understand that this same group who is gathered are the same ones who on that day, as they stood before the king of that territory, as he said, I've got Barabbas and i got Jesus. Who do you want? And they said, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. And so as the apostle Peter now has proclaimed that this same Jesus who you crucified is both Lord and Christ, they're kind of in that predicament of what now? What do we do? How, how do we go about living? So would you look in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, the beginning in verse number 36. And, and here's what Peter continues to say after he's preached this sermon. He says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In other words, what now? What is it that we're supposed to do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, the, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Last week we talked to you out of this passage where the Apostle Peter said repent. And we talked about that repentance uh, is not a religious word. That repentance just simply means to change your mind, to change your direction. Uh, to begin to now follow after Jesus Christ instead of living after your own life and your own desires. The Word of God says godly sorrow worketh repentance. It worketh a change in our lives. But it doesn't stop there. Today we, we continue to see that the Apostle Peter, after they have said, what do we do? What, how, how do we continue? What now is it that we are supposed to do? The Word of God says that the Apostle Peter said, repent and be what? Come on. And be what? Baptized. How many of you? Everyone. Now, I'm not real deep, but I got it figured out. Everyone means all. Everyone means everybody, doesn't it? Now, now the, word, the word baptized is kind of hard to understand sometimes because we really don't uh, use it. It's not a, a normal word that we use in everyday uh, vernacular. Uh, but the word baptized is actually a transliteration of a Greek word. The word baptized means to dip or to plunge under. 
Uh, it also means to be dyed, D-Y-E-D. It means to be dyed or colored with. Uh, that, that's what uh, the word baptized means. Uh, it, it means to, to dip. It means to put under uh, the, the water, put it under uh, the water. In fact, literally what you could say is, is uh, you could look at somebody in your house and say, I'm going to baptize the clothes. I'm going to put them in the washer and they're going under the water. Come on, don't look at me like that. I know you don't use that term, but you could. It's, it's the proper term to use. So baptism is something that we don't talk a lot about, we don't hear a lot about, but yet the Word of God talks about it time and time and time again. The book of 1 Peter, uh, the third chapter, the 21st verse says this, and this water, speaking of baptism, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. Not the removal of dirt from the body, he said it's not like taking a bath, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what I found in Scripture is, is that baptism always follows conversion. There's no place in Scripture where you find people getting saved and not following through in baptism. In fact, after they hear this great sermon there we just read about, would you look in verse 41? Verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were what? Baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, can you imagine a baptismal service for 3,000 people? Sometimes we get antsy if there's six or eight. 3,000 people being baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, uh, is another place that talks about this process of baptism. Acts 8 and 12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached and proclaimed uh, the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Now think about this. The apostle, excuse me, Philip has been preaching this great revival in Samaria. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are being saved. They send down the apostles who when they get there laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of a revival, God says, go to the desert. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? But it does make sense because in Acts chapter 8, verse 36, what happens is that Philip uh, runs, and runs across a guy who's reading out of the Scripture, out of the Old Testament, and, he, and the Bible says that Philip joined himself to him and be, began from that verse to proclaim Jesus Christ. Now look what verse 36 says there. It says, And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Time and time again, when somebody comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the very next thing that they do is that they get baptized. Would you look at one more verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 47. Uh, this is at Peter, is at Cornelius' his household. He preaches the gospel. The Bible says, while Peter was yet speaking, speaking the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they began to, to speak in tongues. And then verse 47, uh, Peter speaking here said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And then verse 48 says, So he ordered them, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, time and time again in Scripture, we see that baptism follows repentance. Baptism follows confession. Baptism follows somebody coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. But what they tell us is, is that in America, uh, somewhere less than 30% of professions are followed by baptism. 
Now, that was a good place for, oh, my, or, oh, Lord, or come quickly, Jesus, or something, right? I mean, when, when only 30% or, or, or less are following in what the Scripture tells us is mandated unto us, then, then I think we've got a problem. I, now, please don't misunderstand, Pastor. I'm not saying that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you haven't been baptized. But what I am saying, and I think I can show today uh, through Scripture, is that baptism always, without exception, follows conversion and giving your life to Jesus Christ. See, here, here's the deal about baptism. Baptism is a, a promise and a challenge. Baptism is a promise and a challenge. Here's the promise, that we are dead to sin. The challenge is, is that now we are alive to Christ. I'm dead to sin. When I am baptized, baptism is, is that whole process of dying out to the old self, of putting myself under the water just as Jesus went into the grave. I go into the water and I arise, the Bible says, to walk in newness of life. But I want to tell you, baptism is important. In fact, let me say this to you. Some of you come from traditions that say, well, you ought to be baptized to join the church. I want to tell you something. Baptism is not about joining the church. Baptism is about the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Well, I, I don't mean to mess your world up, but joining the church doesn't save you. There's a whole lot of people that are members of churches who, if the Lord comes, it could be rough. Because I want to tell you, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you signed your name on the church roll doesn't mean you're saved salvation comes when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ when you give him your life you give him your future you give him everything about what the future is and then in that moment now you have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ now that, uh, baptism is important I want to spend some time there if the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost preaches this this glorious message to this crowd that's gathered there 3,000 they think it's important enough that they go somewhere and they baptize 3,000 people then maybe we ought to talk about what baptism is all about so let me let me show you some things about baptism first thing about baptism is that baptism signifies something to us uh, it, the, the word signifies means it's a sign of Romans 6 and 3 says this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His what? Death. It signifies that I am baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. That just as Jesus died and went into the tomb and then three days later came forth, you and I, when we're baptized in water, we are signifying that we have died to that old life. How many of you know you had an old life, right? You, you had some junk back there. You had some stuff back there. You had, you had some things back there that weren't pleasing to God. And so now you have died to that. But listen, it doesn't just talk about death. It also talks about burial. But praise God, it doesn't stop there. It talks about resurrection. It signifies I have died, I am buried, and now as I come back out of, up out of that water, now I am living a resurrected life unto Jesus Christ. The Bible says, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new, right? That's what happens to you and I when we come into that place where we are baptized into the name of the Lord. The Word, Word of God tells us uh, about baptism, it tells us that we are no longer subject to Adam's death. The Bible says in Adam we all died, but now we're subject to Jesus' life. When I'm baptized, 
I am signifying that the old nature, who I was, how I lived under that condemnation, under that judgment upon this earth, now I break Adam's death off of my life, and now I enter into the life of Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm doing. I'm breaking ties with Satan. Listen to me. Don't miss it. I'm breaking ties with Satan. You say, well, I didn't have any ties with Satan. Oh, yes, you did. Come on. Just look at your neighbor and say, you did too. Come on. You've been wanting to tell them that anyway. You did too. You, you say, why? You say, how do you know that? Well, here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we have all sinned, then that means we had a tie to Satan because Satan is the one who is, is the cr creator of sin. He's the one who fell into sin. He's the one who created this thing called sin by his rebellion against God. And so I am under his dominion. I am tied to Satan. I mean, in fact, let me say it this way. Every time you sin, you live under his authority. But when we come into baptism and we receive the Lord, now we signify a breaking of that tie with the enemy and say, Lord, I am no longer submitted to Satan, but now I am submitting my life to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better thing that we ought to do than to signify that we have broken that old place and now we have come into relationship. Amen? Come on, if you're going to do it, let's do it like we mean it. The second thing that it does is that it identifies us. The word identifies means to ascertain the origin, the nature, or definitive character with Jesus. So now I, I am coming to that place where I am identified with Jesus. Remember earlier I told you that one uh, thing that, that baptism means is to be colored with or to be dyed like. You, you know what Galatians chapter 3 says? Galatians chapter 3 says we are clothed with Christ. We, we are identified with Jesus Christ. How many of you remember a few years ago, everybody that was a Christian was walking around with a little band on their arm, and it said WWJD, right? That, what would Jesus do? Well, you know what? That's a, number one, that's a great question to ask. But let me tell you this. When you are baptized, now you have said, I am going to begin to do what Jesus did. It's being clothed in baptism at that moment, saying, now, WWJD, every day that I live, I am going to see myself, listen to this, I am going to see myself not as a sinner, but as a saint. Wow. And we've been told all our lives we are sinners saved by grace, right? I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm just, I don't know, but y'all just pray for me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's a bunch of baloney. Amen. Some of you have heard me talk about this. Well, that's a bunch of baloney. I'm either a sinner or I'm a saint. I'm not both. I'm either alive or I'm dead. I'm not both. I'm either married or I'm single. I'm not both. Right? I can't be both. I've, I've either got to be a child of God or a child of the devil. I'm one or the other. So if I come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I am no longer a sinner, and no longer do I look at myself as a sinner, but now I look at myself as a child of God. In fact, the Bible says now I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I signify that by baptism. 
You look to your baptism as your affirmation of your new identity. When you were baptized in water, you can go back to that day. You can go back to that moment. I was baptized when I was seven years of age. I still remember where it happened. I still remember who baptized me. And I can look back to that day and know that in that moment, I had a new identity. You say, have you done right ever since? No. Have you lived right? Have you always been perfect? Of course not. But I got a new identity that day. I got a new name. See, I, I don't want to mess your world up, but my, my mom and daddy named me William Edward Couples. And I go by Eddie, don't ask. All right? But when I got born again, and then when I got baptized, I don't want to mess your world up, I became William Edward Couples Jesus Christ. I took on his name in baptism. I came into his family in baptism. I became an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ through baptism. So there's a new identity. There's a new name that's given to me. Just like uh, when a husband and wife stand together before that preacher uh, or before that justice of the peace or whoever it is, and they pronounce now, henceforth I pronounce you husband and wife, and they say, now may I introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. John Smith. In that moment, that name changes. In that moment, something transpired. There's a new name that's given. When that baby is born, we give them a name. When that baby comes out, we give them a name. They now have a name that is different than before then. Not only does it do those couple of things I've already talked about, but it also authorizes you. That word authority is pretty powerful. What authorized means to grant authority or power to give permission. When you are baptized, you are now authorized to use the name of Jesus. You, you remember in Scripture where seven sons of Sceva, that's kind of interesting to say. I try to say that ten times real fast. The seven sons of Sceva <laughs> came one day and they began to try to cast the devil out of a guy. But they didn't have the authority of the name of Jesus and that one guy said, I know the apostles and I know Jesus, but I don't know you. And the Bible says this one guy whipped all of them, took their clothes off, and they ran out the first streakers recorded in Scripture. <laughs> because they did not have the authority to use the name. Matthew 28, 18, here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, if all authority has been given to Jesus then what it means for us is that we are to live in the authority that he has. Now, now here's, here's what it means. To come in the authority of one means everything that they are. Now, remember, I told you earlier that the Bible says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When you come in the authority of the name of Jesus, what you are saying is, is that I now have the legal right to use the name of Jesus. When I come in the authority of the name of Jesus, I am denying myself and I am coming to that place in the authority of another. It's needful that we understand that. Let me, let me use this term. Probably you will understand this maybe a little bit better. It, it basically is the power of attorney. Understand that concept? Here's what power of attorney means. It means authorization given by one person permitting another to take action on their behalf. Did you get that? That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus said there's coming a day 
when you're going to ask my father anything in my name, and I'll do it. He said, I'm giving you power of attorney to use my name. He said, whatever you ask. Well, that's, a, that's pretty wide open as well. Whatever you ask in my name, my authority, I'll do it. That's why the apostles uh, on their way to prayer uh, there in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 3, on their way to prayer, when they see a certain lame man laying by the gate, beautiful, who's saying, give us money, they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we've got we give you in the authority of the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the Bible says instantly he's healed, he jumps up, begins to worship God, and out of that the Scripture says 5,000 people are added to the church. There, there's, there's authority in the name of Jesus. And so often we miss that, so often we misunderstand that, and so uh, we, we've, we've got this conundrum happening within the body of Christ. We've got a lot of people who are not being baptized. We've got a lot of people who are making a confession of faith. And you say, Pastor, don't you believe that when a person receives Jesus Christ that they come in a relationship with Him? Of course I do. Well, let me talk in the natural for a minute. We believe, as Christians, and I hope you do, we believe that in, in the natural, when conception takes place, that life begins. Amen? We, we don't believe life begins once that baby gets here. We believe at the moment that conception happens that life has taken place. I believe that with all of my heart. But you know what? How many of you know it would be a little, um, it'd be a little rough on mom if after about nine months that baby says, stay in here. I like it. It's kind of nice in here. Just going to hang out. I got life and it abundantly. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Mama feeds me. It's all good. I'm just going to hang out here with Mama. How many of you know Mama's going to be calling the doctor and say, can we do a C-section tomorrow? <laughs> right? Let's get this baby into life. Let's get it fully exuberant, moving. We know it's alive. We know it's, you know, it's kind of like we, we look, at, look at somebody and they're beginning to show a little bit. We go, oh, they're a little bit pregnant. No, 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 they're pregnant. They're as pregnant as they're ever going to be. Now, that baby's going to continue to grow and mama's going to continue to grow, but, but they're pregnant as much as they are from day one all the way through that nine months of pregnancy. But we are waiting. In fact, the, the family stands in anticipation waiting for the breaking of the water waiting for that baby to leave the water and come into life. Is it alive? Of course it is. But now it's a new dimension of life. When you get saved, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, when you ask Him in your life, are you saved? Of course you are. But Jesus says, I come that you might have life in it more abundantly. I, I want you to, to move. I don't want you to stay in your mother's womb. I don't want you to stay in, in that place of being a baby. I want you to come forth so that you can reap the benefits that life has for you. And that's in baptism. Again, every place in Scripture where you find people getting saved, you find them getting baptized. And when we, when we baptize people, here's what we say. We say, upon your profession of faith, According to Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as was fulfilled in the book of Acts. We now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, Well, why do you do that? Because it's in the Bible. Because it's the Word of God. Matthew 28, 19, and the book of Acts do not contradict themselves. How many of you know that, that on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, when you get baptized, he said, get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
How many of you know if that was wrong, God would have interrupted him? Come on. I mean, if, if you've sent fire and you've sent tongues and you sent a wind, what's, what's, hey, Pete, you're wrong. He could have done that, but he didn't. Why? Because what Peter is now proclaiming is a fulfillment of what Jesus spoke in Matthew 28, 19. In fact, let me, say, let me challenge you with this. There is no place in the book of Acts where anybody is ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You only find people being baptized in the name of the Lord or the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how they are baptized. Why? Watch this real quickly. I'll give it to you. Lord, when you begin to look at the Godhead, the Godhead is a mystery. Nobody understands the Godhead. There's three. There's one. There's one. There's three. We all, we all can, we can argue all day long, but we'll never understand it because He is an infinite God and we are finite human beings. But we do know that there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one. How do you explain that? I don't explain it. I don't even try to explain it. I don't even stay up nights trying to figure it out because I really don't think that God really cares if I've got it figured out. But when I get ready to baptize, watch this. When we baptize somebody in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, 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 the whole aspect, when you study the aspect of Lord, what you're talking about is Father. You're, you're coming to that place uh, of understanding who your Father is. And then Jesus, of course, we understand is the Son. And then Christ, the charisma, uh, is the Holy Spirit. And so in that, watch this, the fulfillment of Matthew 28, 19 is in Acts 2, 38 when Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. In that moment, there is a fulfilling of that, and the New Testament church lives it out. In fact, I went to my office between service just to make sure. And I pulled down the New Testament Dictionary of Theology, and I looked at it again, and it says that everywhere there was baptism, and even through the early church, that it was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, does it matter? Well, here's how it matters. In that moment, I am now taking the authority of the name. If all authority in heaven and earth is given to the name of Jesus, then when I receive that in baptism, it's like this. Let me, let me do it this way. It's like when my wife and I stood before that minister that day, and at the end of that, he said to her, I now pronounce you husband and wife, you, and he turned us around, and he said, let me introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Eddie Couples. When he said that, in that moment, she had authority to everything I had. She had authority to my bank account. Just like that, there wasn't anything in it, but she had authority to it. <laughs> and she has had authority all these years to my bank account, to my car, to whatever it is that I've got. She has the same name. Watch this. When that baby is born into the family and we give them that name that is the family name, what we are saying is this child now has the authority to operate in this family. When you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are now moving into that place where you have the authority to exercise the family name. You say, Pastor, why should we be baptized? I close with this. Number one is we should be baptized out of obedience. Amen? Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist came baptizing, the apostles baptized, on and on and on. It's just obedience. The Word of God says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's, it's that far. You say, you, you mean I'm not saved until I get baptized? Look up here. That's not what I said. 
You know what I say? Here's what I say. If you refuse to be baptized, did you ever get saved? Because Jesus said, if you truly love me, you will keep my commandments. Wow, it gets a little tight in this house sometimes. So when I come to that place of saying, wait a minute, I am in relationship with Jesus Christ and His Word commands me to be baptized, then why in the world would I say, no, 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 I'm not going to be baptized? Oh, my obedience says, yes, Lord, I will be baptized. Secondly is our testimony. When you are baptized, it's a testimony to others of your relationship with Jesus. It's that open proclamation of what's happened inside of you. It's showing to others, I have made a decision to live for Jesus Christ. It is that moment where you can testify to somebody and say, you know what, in that moment I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I was baptized and it stands as a testimony. In fact, if you study Scripture, you will find that the word testimony is used in the Old Testament and it was always a monument to a specific instance that took place. When God led them over uh, the Red Sea, when God led them over the Jordan River, they were to put a monument there, and when they would look back at those stones that were stacked up, they would remember back to the delivering power of God. When you're baptized, it is a testimony. It is a monument to what God has done in your life. Amen? Lastly, it is about covenant. To me, that's the greatest part. When you study Scripture, you'll find out that from Genesis to the book of Revelation, it's all about covenant. God is a covenant God. He's a covenant-making God. He's a covenant-keeping God. The entirety of the Bible is about covenant. When I am baptized, here's what Scripture says. It says that the sign of covenant in the Old Testament was circumcision. But it says the sign in the New Testament is baptism. That you and I, when we are baptized, in that moment, now we have the seal of the covenant with God Almighty. And you know what that means? When the devil shows up, you can tell him where to go. If you don't have that covenant relationship, if you don't have that covenant right in that moment, he'll come and mess with you. He'll come and do all kinds of stuff. But when you have that covenant, I would encourage you to go home and study about covenant. When you have that covenant blessing in your life, now you can operate at a higher level. Pastor, what are you saying to us here? We close. If you've committed your life to Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, you're missing out on one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have. Because it is in that moment all of these things transpire that I've talked about. Or maybe you've been baptized, but you've never understood the authority of the name of Jesus. And you say, you know what? I need to reinvestigate this a little bit. I, I need to figure out, am I saved? Of course I'm saved. Am I going to heaven? Of course. I'm not. Please don't misunderstand, Pastor. But maybe it's time for me to move to a higher place of authority. Maybe it's time for me to move to a greater place of the power and the authority of God Almighty. And as you do that, as you are open to saying, you say, Pastor, you mean that, that people ought to be rebaptized? Yeah. Acts 19. Paul, seeing certain disciples of John, said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, We don't even know about the Holy Spirit. He said, How were you baptized? And the scripture said, They said, Under John's baptism. He said, John baptized under repentance, saying, There's one coming mightier than me, whose shoelaces I'm not worthy to unlike. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the word of God says that the apostle Paul rebaptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. 
Scripture says, do your first works over. Go study what your first works are. One of your first works is baptism. Scripture talks about it. Do your first works over. Sometimes you need to do your first works over. In fact, I'll, I'll say this and I'll close. There are some of you who you got away from God. You were baptized maybe as a child. You were baptized years and years ago, but you haven't walked in full relationship with God and you've made a recommitment to the Lord and you've come back into the salvation. You really probably ought to go back and look at doing that first work over, burying some of that trash from your past, putting some of those things underneath that water and saying, you know what, I'm never going to deal with my past again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Baptism is powerful, powerful. And I challenge you to look at it, consider it, make sure that you're in that place of living out the fullness of what God has for you.